Amen. 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 It's great to be here, isn't it? Anybody else feel like a little bit of excitement, right? Yeah? All right. I'm glad three of us do. That's awesome. Hey, listen, forgive me this morning. My voice is a little bit raspy. It's kind of leaving me, so I'll do my best. I'm sure our sound technicians will help me out by giving me just a little bit more this morning so I don't have to kill myself. But Go ahead, check out your YouVersion app. Go right to our outline. You can look at your bulletin. Go to our outline. I think this morning's message, not, not that I think, actually. I know this morning's message is going to slap you right in the face. Don't you love that? Who likes to be slapped in the face? Nobody does, but spiritually we need it. All right, here we go. Part two, I choose. I choose, okay? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. I choose. If you remember, last week I started off with this statement. We are the sum total of the decisions that we have made. Whatever choices you made in the past determine who you are when? Today. The decisions that you are making today determine who you become and what you will do or can do in the future. Understand something. We are all in life. We're going to experience pain. Okay, you are. Now, it's the deciding factor here is, are we going to experience pain through discipline? Or are we going to experience pain through regret? My prayer and my hope today is that you would much rather experience pain through discipline. Today, what we are going to talk about and what you are going to be challenged with is, are we going to choose to surrender over control? Who likes to be in control? Some of you have just controlled your body not to lift up the hand. Some of you are resisting lifting up the hand right beside you. You know, in our house, I have, we have three sons, but we've got two little guys that are, you know them. I let you guys know them every week. But wow, are they just crazy. And uh, my six-year-old now, I used to say five, now he's six. And I told him the other day, it's time to mature a little bit. It's not working yet. And then my two-year-old, who's about to turn three, uh, we, they like to dress up in costumes. They like to be firemen. They like to be astronauts. They like to be construction workers. And in fact, today or this past week was like dress up as a career, you know, and, 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 you know, we had no problem. Carter, you've got like 20 items here. Which one do you want to dress up as today? And you get to do it for school. All right. So he was pretty pumped up about that. But they also have an outfit that is a police officer. Okay. And they have handcuffs. Now, guess who's always getting handcuffed? That's me. Constantly, I'm being handcuffed by my little guys, and you know they'll 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 come up to me, Daddy, Daddy, you're you know you're 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 the you're the bad guy, and you know I got to put my hands in the front, or I got to put my hands behind me, or I got to be chained to something, you know, and all this stuff, and it's fine in that moment, you know, because I'm surrendering, right? I'm going, okay, I surrender, I give up, and then I'm at their beck and call, you know, then they throw me in their makeshift jail and. They're having fun, and then daddy's just kind of tired of sitting in the makeshift jail for 30 minutes, you know? And I'm like, okay, guess what? Time out. 
I need to be back in control. And so the game ends. All of us battle with wanting control in our lives. I think we can admit to that. You know, control at work. You want people to do things the way you want it done. You know, you have accomplishments. You have object, object, you know, objectives that need to happen, goals. Um, and, and, you know, those, they need to be met. Um, you have uh, control issues even at home sometimes, don't we? Yeah. Our spouse, we have control issues with them. We have control issues with our children. I mean, you know, the whole deal of you don't do as I say, I'm going to ground you for 30 years. You know, we have control issues. Now, I'm going to give you, I got, I got to fess up here. I do have a control issue in my home. Growing up, I never had to iron. Never had to iron clothes. Then I went to college. And I remember waking up one Sunday morning, like the first Sunday morning in school, and I'm going, uh-oh. I got to go to church today. Mom's not here to iron my clothes. I got a problem. So in, in our dorm, we had a, uh, uh, an ironing board that always sat in the middle with an iron. And everybody would take their turn going. And I'm just looking at that thing. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do here. So I, one of my friends taught me how to do it. His dad was military. So he's teaching me how to iron, and I'm going through it, you know. And, and, and I, I got the, I'm pretty good at ironing, all right? I'm just going to fess up. I'm good at ironing. But you know who's not good at ironing in my house? Let me tell you a story. So she's not in here. Oh, I just gave it away, right? So we're, you know, we, we just got married. And I'm like, I need something ironed. She's like, I'll get it. You know, I'll take care of it. You know, all right, you know. And she breaks out the ironing board, and she puts it on there, and she just starts, you know, and I'm, that's not how you do it. That is not, you got double creases. It, 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 the, the stripe's not lined up with the other stripe, you know. In my mind, I've got, I'm a control freak now. Now you know who does all the ironing in the house? This guy. Sorry, fellas. Hit me up later. I know you will. I'll teach you. What I want to do today is, is look at a big issue for us all. And it's, it's easy for us to, at times, kind of make fun of it, um, kind of joke around, even like, you know, I just kind of did here this morning. But we have a problem in our life. And it's not so much as it's a control issue, but rather we have a spiritual problem. We try in many ways to be God. We do. We try to take over control. We try to think that we have a better plan, a better idea. And ultimately, the result is usually not what God intended. And it's most definitely not what we were expecting or wanting. This morning, we're going to look in Proverbs chapter 3. Verses 5 through 6, extremely familiar passage of scripture. I even preached it a couple weeks ago at a funeral. Different twist on it today. But we need to look at this passage of scripture and, and ask ourselves, you know, ask yourself right now, God, show me the truth in the scripture. I need to see the truth because 
I need to be able to apply this to my everyday life. All right? Let's take a look at that scripture. It says that we are to do what? Trust in the Lord with all of our heart. How much, how much of your heart are we supposed to trust in? I'm sorry. How much? All. In every ounce of it, every single bit of our heart, every single bit of your being, the scripture tells us we are to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. It goes on to say, and, and this is where it gets difficult for us sometimes, lean not on your own understanding. Hmm. In other words, I'm not supposed to be trying to figure it out myself. In other words, I'm not supposed to be saying I want control. God is saying it's not for you to understand. It's just for you to be obedient. So you need to what? Trust me. Next verse. In all of your ways. How many? All. All. In all of your ways, you are to do what? Submit. Now, the Hebrew translation to the word submit here, or the meaning is actually acknowledge. Okay? Acknowledging who God is. So, in all of your ways, submit to him, or you, we can substitute that for in all of our ways, acknowledge him, and he will do what? Make our paths straight. Now, here's the problem. The more that we try to control, the more we are actually losing control. I want to repeat that statement to you again. The more that we try to control, the more we are actually losing control. I want to show you an example in the Old Testament. We're not going to go, we are going to go to the scripture in Genesis chapter 16, verse 1. But I, I want to I go in here for just a moment because there, there's an important uh, meaning here or parallel here that is, is very important for you to understand before we really get any further. And I want to show you the story about Abram and Sarai, who, as we also know them, very popular as Abraham and Sarah. Now, for anyone who's ever battled control issues... These two definitely were battling control issues in these scriptures, okay, in, in this time. We can understand uh, before we get into actually what the scripture is saying, uh, Abraham battled a control issue uh, when he was asked who Sarah was or Sarah was, and he went on to say she is my what? She's my sister. Because he was afraid of the outcome, he wasn't doing what? He wasn't trusting in God. And what was he doing? He was leaning into his own understanding not in God's understanding. He wasn't submitting or acknowledging, but he was taking it upon himself to have control. Now, we're going to come up on Genesis 16 and 1. Let's throw the scripture up there for me. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But, you ever notice when, when, when God puts the but in the scripture, things totally begin to change. All right. It says, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. That's not a very appealing name to me. It's not. And, and you know, I'm just like, really? I mean, can we, 
a better name for this woman than Hagar. All right? Now, what I want you to understand here is what, what took place up to this moment is God promised Abraham, or Abram, whatever you want to call him in this moment. He said, look, you're going to be the father of many nations. And so, well, instantly, in order to be the father of many nations, you've got to be able to birth children. You've got to be able to, you know, make it happen, you know. And uh, so they knew that there was a promise given to them that they were going to bear children, or at least one. And so um, time goes on, and nothing's really happening, and time goes on, and nothing's really happening. And, I mean, we've all been in that situation, that place before, where maybe someone promised you something, and over time, you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. Doesn't it get frustrating? Absolutely. It gets frustrating. We even see it with our relationship with God. We understand that God's given us promises and, and different things, and we ask him in prayer. And what do we do? We wait and we wait and we get frustrated and get frustrated. But Sarah took it a step further. She actually said, hey, you know what? I got this great idea. God's not doing it in our time, Abraham. So we need to go ahead and speed this thing up. All right, so let's go back to the scripture. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. She's blaming this on God. Go ahead and sleep with my slave. What kind of wife says, go ahead and do this? That right there should be a major red flag. All right, there, we, have, we have issues. I mean, you know, fellas. Yeah, we, yeah all right. That's a setup, all right? <clears throat> so she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children, so sleep with my slave. What is she doing? She's taking control. She's taking control in this situation. And she goes on to say, um, perhaps I can build a family through who? Through her. What is her? Who is her? I want to hear that name. It's disgusting. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. All right, now, he agreed. What you need to understand here, there's a huge problem. <clears throat> a promise has been given, and we've got two people who at first are going, okay, God, we're going to wait on you. We're going to wait. You've given us a promise. We know that you're going to follow through. We're going to wait. And after a while, maybe a, a day or two, a week or two, a month or two, and it's just like, God, where are you at? You're not coming through in our time. So, gentlemen, the wife gets the great idea. I just lost every female in here, and I gained every male's attention. <laughs> she said, you know what? I got this slave. Go ahead and be with her. She'll produce through her. God will use her, and, and the promise will come true. Now, what you need to understand here is a really big issue because that's exactly what happened. Abraham did that, and guess what? They did conceive a son. His name was Ishmael. Through his lineage is the Palestinians and Muhammad. Later on, God did fulfill the promise to Abraham and Sarah and gave, him, gave them the son Isaac who through his lineage is the Jewish nation, and most importantly, Jesus Christ. Two individuals who could not have self-control rewrote history 
for us. And to this day, this world is punished and going through a consequence because of these individuals' lack of self-control. Now, chances are you'll never be tempted like this. At least I hope not. But you will be tempted in things in life. Questions will come up to you, you know, maybe financial issues, you're struggling. And you know that you're supposed to give a, a, a portion of it to God. But you see that, you know, the bills aren't being made or, or it's a struggle and you can't do it. And you're willing to risk the blessing. Maybe you're single and you're looking for your significant other and you're looking for an, another single Individual who's like faith, like you. And time goes on and on and you kind of give up and so you settle. Maybe for someone who isn't equally yoked as you are spiritually. And what happens? We have a problem. People think they can change people. It doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes, maybe. But chances are, no. You could be at work. As an individual and, you know, you're trying to delegate things to, to other people and there's a struggle. Things aren't working out the way you want them and so you step in to take control. Here's one. I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but a helicopter parent. Does anybody know what a helicopter parent is? It means you're just hovering over top of your children constantly. Not protecting. There's a difference. All right? You know, they go, to the, they, they, they go out to the, to the mailbox and you're putting a helmet on them. That type of parent. Think about this for a second. I read this article this week, and this is, this is true. 8% of college graduates, now this is a hovering parent. 8% of college graduates take a parent with them on their job interview. Yes. How insane is that? We have control issues. Some of you in this room have control issues. My first question to you this morning is this, and I want you to understand this. When you get into a control issue in your life, the first question should come to our mind is this, is it worth my concern? In other words, there are many things that people or can be upset about, but is it completely worth your concern to do something about it? Now, here's where it can get kind of interesting for us, okay? Think about your spouse for a second. <clears throat> or if you're not married, think about a family member that you have, that you live with, or somebody in your close circle of friendships. And pet peeves kill me. Who in here, like, smacks their lips when you chew gum. I don't. You guys are mean, man. <laughs> Who in here has a pet peeve of somebody smacking their lips when they're chewing their, thank you, right here, right here. I think everybody in my house smacks their lips when they chew their gum. And I have everything inside of me not to explode. 
How about, how about folding towels? Right? Has anyone ever had an argument in the house about folding towels maybe? Or squeezing in the middle of the toothpaste? Or leaving your clothes on the floor when the hamper is right there and you decide to build a pile right there? Is it really your concern to really cause the huge ruckus that you know is going to happen? Some of you are going through it. You've had this conversation this morning. How about it's time to get ready for church? And you're ready and you're just sitting there and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're looking and you're waiting and you're looking and you're waiting and you're blowing up inside. Steam's rolling out of the ears. Right? Some of you don't want to admit it, I know, because they're right beside you, but that's okay. You know, sometimes what we need to do is focus on the good things rather than what we don't like about situations. And let's say, how can we make these things better? How can we make my relationship with my spouse better or my family member better or my close circle of friends better? See, sometimes we have a hard time to surrendering. You're not surrendering necessarily to your spouse. You're surrendering to your relationship. You're surrendering to God. Because God puts you together for a reason. And it wasn't to bicker about the toothpaste. It wasn't to bicker about where the silverware goes. It wasn't to bicker about how the, to- the towels are folded. It wasn't to bicker about how they're making you late for church. It was to become stronger, to have that helpmate, to build that family, to have connections. I, um, this week, I, this past Friday, I had to go to a viewing. And unfortunately, when I went to the viewing, as I was going there, I was thinking of this individual, uh, of this couple. And it was one of our ministers in our state who's a, good, who's a friend of mine, and his wife was killed in an auto accident. And so I, I started, you know, just thinking about the husband now. I mean, the wife, she's in heaven. No reason to... My thought was with him. And, I, you know, I typically, as I'm driving, especially if I'm by myself, I'm working over the notes in my head for my messages and, and, and things just kind of pop in and happen, you know, in my head. And so I'm driving and it just hit me. I was like, you know what? How many of those little things that used to annoy him to death when all the attention, when all of the... Um, the people, the friends and the family, those supporting him, when all of that dies down, those things that used to annoy him, guess what he's going to do? He's going to miss it. He's going to miss it. We get so caught up in ourselves, don't we, sometimes? We worry about our feelings, our thoughts, Sometimes, you know, we need to surrender to God. We really do. We need to give him control and surrender to him because God brings these things together. You know, the other day, I was sitting there thinking also about my boys. I'm always thinking about the boys. 
I have no choice. I have to. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So I'm sitting here thinking about them, and they love their fire trucks, their Legos, their Hot Wheels, Matchbox cars, whatever you want to call them. And sometimes I walk in the house, and they got a tent in there now. I mean, this, we got this tent in the living room. It's been there for like a week and a half. <clears throat> there was a time when I would walk in, and that would drive me absolutely crazy. Insane, even. I don't like clutter. I'm an organized person. Things have a place, and that's where it needs to be. So you're like, yes, yes. I'm about to kill you, though. All right? And uh, so the other day I walk in the house, and all this stuff is everywhere. And inside me, I could feel the uneasy rest or unrestlessness or whatever you want to call it. Just It's coming. I feel it. And then all of a sudden, when they look at you and they get excited, Daddy, you know, and they come running, giving me a hug. And it's just like, I'm going to miss that mess one day. Is it really worth my concern? No. Is it really worth getting upset about? Think, well, you need to ask yourself that because some of you are doing that daily in your life. You're hurting your intimacy with your spouse and your other relationships. You're driving your kids crazy. In fact, you're driving yourself crazy. The second question is this. Is it mine to control? How many of you know that in your life, God won't do everything for you? He won't. He actually expects us to do things. What? Yeah. That's a shocker. God expects you to work. I wish I could sit at home and go, God, I need money in the checking account. <clears throat> I need you to make the van payment. The kids want toys. I guess we need food. I need to keep the lights on. So I'm just now going to sit down and I'm going to do nothing. Now, how far is that going to get me? God gave us two feet, two hands, the ability to be mobile, and to work. You must put an effort. Some of you, possibly, have been complaining so much about your spouse and the lack that you have in your marriage that you put more emphasis on finding the negative and sitting back and saying, God, you need to fix them. What did you do to get that person to even get your attention? The flowers, the dates, the going out. We're getting kind of weird, Pastor Kent. Well, good. You need it to be a little weird. God expects you and I to put effort. The scripture says trust in him. Don't lean in your own understanding. Submit to him or acknowledge him. And what is he going to do? He then will make the path straight. It's not always for us to be concerned about. And we need to understand that God isn't going to do everything for us in life that we have to put our effort in. 
It's kind of like the student who doesn't understand why they're failing, but yet they don't crack open a book. Common sense says what? You must put forth an effort. Some of you spiritually have been going, I haven't felt God in forever in my life. And Pastor Kevin, I thought he was going to do it when he took over, and it's just not happening. But yet you ain't read your word in three years. But yet you've not meditated on God. We can't do everything for you. You must do things for yourself and for your family. You have to put effort in. I'm going to embarrass somebody for a second right now, and I don't mean to, but I am. If you notice out here in the front of the church, we were having leakage coming into our building. One person saw that there was a problem. Actually, many people saw that there was a problem. One person stepped up and has been here for four to five days this week, making sure that was taken care of. Because there were so many years before we would just sit there and go, that's a problem. We have to put the effort in. If we do not put the effort in and you don't let God have control, you're not surrendering to him, you're not going to get anywhere. Some of you have been looking in the mirror spiritually at your life and you're going, I just don't understand. I'm not growing. God's not going to do everything for you. You have to put your two cents in. You have to put your abilities in. You must become involved with him. It's in any relationship. A relationship isn't one-sided. If it is, then that person is just lonely. The relationship takes at least two people. Two people who are actively pursuing after what? The same goal. God is pursuing a goal for you in your life. We talked about purpose last week. We have purpose in life. We focus on the big purpose and we forget about the little purpose. Remember the little purposes are what? God give me kids. I got to raise my kids right. God gave me a loving spouse. I need to help and support them. God gave me a job. I need to do the best I can in that job. And when we, or, you know, God gave me friends. I need to be the best friend that I could possibly be. And when we accomplish these little P purposes, when we're faithful in the small things, he begins to reveal and give us what? Larger, bigger. But first, you got to start doing something. You can't just sit there. I don't know how the bills are going to get paid. Get to work. I don't know why I'm not growing spiritually. Get on your knees. Open the word. I don't know why my marriage is failing. Because you're doing nothing to help it grow. You're focusing on the negative. And the third thing we're going to look at, the third question is this. Isn't for God alone? Philippians chapter 4, we're going to look <clears throat> in this real quick. You need to understand the Apostle Paul in this moment. He's chained to a Roman guard as he's writing these letters. And a man who ought to have self-pity does not have self-pity. 
But he says this in Philippians 4, verse 6, excuse me. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, how many? Every situation. No matter what you're going through, no matter what this person's done to you, no matter how bad you feel, no matter what, by prayer and petition. What's that mean? That means I'm, I'm taking it to God. I'm going to God with it. Present your request to God. By prayer and petition, you present your request to God. I said this Wednesday night, and I'm going to say it this, this morning. When we face the trials, the struggles, the problems, the decisions that we need to make in life, and we've exhausted every other avenue to figure it out, we always come back with the response, all I have now is what? Prayer. The problem with that, prayer should never be the last resort. Prayer should be the first thing that we take to God. The first action that comes from us. You see, verse 7 goes on to say, and the peace of God. I love that. I love it because here's what can happen. Keep that up there, please. <clears throat> here's, what, here's what happens many times. We can become so bogged down with so many different issues in life and, and become confused and, and misguided, no direction, and, and all of this. And then we realize, oh, wow, you know what? I can go to God in prayer. And so then we go to God in prayer, and we earnestly spend some time with him. And we walk away from there, and what happens? The peace of God which transcends all understanding, begins to guard our hearts and our minds. And who? Christ Jesus. I love that. See, for a lot of us in this room this morning, we, um, we battle with the control issue. We do. We battle with it. A lot of us, we battle with it a lot. Every day, you're battling control. You're controlling your spouse. You're controlling your kids. You're controlling the people you work around. You're controlling your friends. You're, we become so control-minded. And we even try to control God. We go back to the example that I, I gave previously about Abram and Sarai, where they began to control and try to control what the outcome that God had intended and you know what? It messes up when we do that. We can't be God. I hate to break the news to some of you, but you're not God. You're not the best wife. You're not the best husband. You're not the best parent. God is. God has a, a design, a plan for your life. And sometimes we have to sit back for a minute and go, God, you know what? I'm sorry. I need to take my hands off. And I need you to take control. There's a, a song. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> you don't want that. <clears throat> Part of the lyric says this. 
All to Jesus I surrender. And all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. In his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. I wonder this morning if that's what we've done in our lives. Are we surrendering all to him? Are you? You say, well, Pastor Kevin, I'm a a follower of Christ. That's great. You can still be a follower of Christ and have control issues. But you're missing out on what God has intended for your life. Abram and Sarah were still followers of God, but yet had a huge control issue. And what did their control issue result in? A really messed up world for us. Do you want your decisions that you're making to affect your spouse and your children and the generations to follow later on? Because you have a control issue and you can't wait on God, but yet you got to play the role of God? Is it really worth that? I don't think so. I don't think so. Are you becoming an have you become an individual that says you're expecting for God to do everything and you just sit back and not put in your abilities, your talents, your giftings. But yet you know what God, I need you to do this, 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 this. And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to expect you to do it the moment I ask. See, that's how we often treat God. If he doesn't do it in a day or two, we become very discouraged, very upset. And we go, well, where is he? Why didn't he answer? Well, I guess I got to go ahead and do this thing on my own. And that's where the problem happens. I want you to stand up with me this morning. And I've, I've, uh, I've asked them to actually sing that song that I um, just quoted to you for this morning. And when they do, I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about, have you truly surrendered? Have you? I'm not talking about just saying, yeah, I accept you, Jesus, but I'm talking about, I surrender my marriage to you, Lord. I surrender my career to you. Surrender my relationships to you. Friendships. Think about that.